The car's on fire, and there's no driver at the wheel. And the sewers are all muddied with a thousand lonely suicides. And a dark wind blows. The government is corrupt. And we're on so many drugs with the radio on and the curtains drawn. We're trapped in the belly of this horrible machine. And the machine is bleeding to death. The sun has fallen down. And the billboards are all leering. And the flags are all dead. At the top of their poles. It went like this. The buildings toppled in on themselves. Mothers clutching babies. Picked through the rubble. And pulled out their hair. The skyline was beautiful on fire. All twisted metal stretching upwards. Everything washed in a thin orange haze. I said, kiss me, you're beautiful. These are truly the last days. You grabbed my hand and we fell into it. Like a daydream or a fever. Shit. Yep. Um, yeah, so this is our first episode after the election. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's... Um, don't feel don't feel too good. Um, obviously, Labour uh, lost. Yep. With... Uh, they keep describing it as a landslide in various ways. It's... The number of... The number well, of... They, the, 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 the Tories gained 300,000 votes. The Labour Party lost a lot. Um... That was the main story yep. um, of of what happened. There were significant amounts of vote splitting. Um, it's still really early. There's going to be loads of analysis, obviously. Um, there's a lot of people who are trying to get a handle on exactly what went wrong with and, and coming through that that kind of that door knocking stage that got so many people out in the wet and the cold to to kind of door knock for it and 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 how the strategies went and all that but we know why um, I'm wrong yeah because they're saying it we need yeah. to be more racist yep um we should have we should have been more full-throated in defense of remain which is why joe swinson stormed home to a massive lib dem majority um like i can't believe how well the lib dems did they did so well <laughs> I, giving you, the tories kensington you you yeah that hurt i think kensington hurt um, quite a bit. Uh, Laura Pidcock losing her seat hurt quite a bit. I think it was Derby North, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, and just, I suppose Dennis it's that it's was it's sad. yeah. Dennis Skinner was sad, seeing but people, also seeing fuppy shits like. I'll be perfectly honest. Like fucking smug, saying like, "Well, he." I think Dennis. Sk- I, I think 
Dennis Dennis Skinner is that. I mean, how long? How much longer would he have would he have gone on being an MP? And I know he's got good socialist instincts. I know he's got good labour instincts. But like, remember a long time ago when you said about Tony Benn? Yeah. What's he done? Yeah, yeah. And I think like there has to be a certain unromantic uh, assessment of things now of what what do we do going forward and and how what were the patterns of things that that ended up with this result? Yeah. Um, like, because despite, I mean, if you believe the mainstream media, uh, we got 10 million votes. The Conservatives, I think, got 13 million. Yeah. And we are nothing Yeah. because of that. This was our last, this was our last cast. That's it. Oh, no, you, you, you get replaced now. You failed. That's yeah. it. Despite. You've got to go. It's, it's nice. It is really nice being lectured to by people's vote dickheads and yeah. the Dems on how to win an election. Fucking people posting that fucking Kinnock video. And like say like oh look look Kinnock was right and it's like yeah Kinnock known winner of multiple elections was the I, Kinnock so, is a byword for failure I'm I'm no Kinnock has ever succeeded at anything well I'm assuming the speech was the 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 spectacle of a Labour council uh, sending yeah. taxis to send in uh, a redundancy yeah, like notices I'm pretty sure I saw something on that 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 wasn't actually real that was uh, the the him he was talking about militant dominated councils. Yeah. And them sending taxis around to people's houses with P forty fives or yeah. whatever it was back then, and I'm pretty sure that was an exaggeration. In the same way that like bodies going unburied in the three day week is a complete exaggeration. Yeah, well, the, the uh, militant is an exaggeration. So is it like yeah. at their heyday they had maybe six thousand members? So dickheads talking about purging the Labour Party mm. like they did a militant is like good luck. There's yeah. a lot more. I mean, also remember militant built Brookside. <laughs> Those houses that were in Brookside, those new mm-hmm. kind of 80s, 70s uh, suburban houses, mm-hmm. they were built under a militant council. Everything is everything is weird. Yeah. Not everything is exactly how you'd imagine. But that's quite important after this uh, election. But yeah. I think like, I don't regret I don't regret supporting that manifesto. Like, not at all. I think there was a lot of really, really decent stuff in there. Yeah, but, you know, that actually went have... beyond just the, the, the one step towards... A better, a better future that uh, that that. Um... We should have just slipped in some stuff about demonising travellers. <laughs> they would have loved that. Jess Phillips might have um, might have um, spoken out in support. You know when we were talking about in the run up to the election, like yeah. a load of a load of the usual suspects were being all fucking quiet. Yeah. Whereas before they really weren't. Yeah. I that whole the whole agitating to pivot to remain. The remain campaign was. And like the what was it? The, yeah, the people's vote stuff. That was never about remaining in the EU. Like you're not going to be able to convince me otherwise. Maybe no. people like Femi and Madalena Kay are stupid. I think Madalena Kay's an idiot. I think Femi's a true believer. Um, yeah, a but monk, you know what I mean. Like they, in yeah, other words, yeah, they're rubes who went along with it. But I re- the the whole point of it was to try and destroy the Labour Party to because. The Labour Party was the only one that was kind of splintered on, like, with its membership on yeah. Leave or Remain, and they were the ones that you could properly savage with it. And that's why they targeted them. That's why they hassled them. That's why they pushed it. Why, like, the media encouraged it when a bunch of fucking no marks left and started their own failure party and then went on to just give seats to the Tories. Like, that's why everyone supported the notion that San Guimar was anything other than a Tory and will probably be back at the Conservative Party by the end of the decade. Yeah. Um, 
You're I, not going to be able to convince me otherwise. <laughs> that's the point of that was the point of the remain the remain campaign, and all those people who marched, they like were taken in for suckers. We talked about how like they deserve better. I think we live in a na- I think we live in a nation of suckers. I think it's impossible to. I think if this election has proved anything, it's that the media environment, and I don't mean that just as papers that people get and read and have opinions on. I yeah. mean the entire thought bubble, yeah. the entire ecosphere of how we think mm-hmm. about ourselves and about our relationship to society and all of those big things, I think we could not necessarily... We were warned, but we could not have predicted how singular in how few hands mm-hmm. and how bluntly effective it can be when it's put to a certain use. Yeah. I think like there's a few things that I'm I'm I think the the first few things that I thought back because I'm very uh uh self-centered. Yeah. <laughs> it's like what can they blame me for? Yeah. For things I've said. What am I going to look like an idiot about? Yeah. But the things that we stroke probably I like I underestimated or repressed. And like yeah, Brexit's a big one. I, at one point, I think it was during one of the manifestos, said, uh, yeah, there's stuff about Brexit, but, you know, whatever. And I think I had somehow pushed the idea that the Brexit vote did not matter as much in 2016. Like, I just pushed it to one side. Like, we've had episodes where we've said, don't go for second referendum. Because, A... You need democracy as a shield. Yeah. If you have a rhetorical shield, if you have a theoretical shield mm-hmm. against accusa- any kind of accusations, it's that we respect democratic norms. Yeah. We respect people's uh, political expression through this through this thing. Secondly, that like, and that's how you would defend against, say, coming for the banks yeah. or coming for uh, utilities. Mm-hmm. You could say, well, people have voted on it. Secondly. I think that we also underestimated how much, how, like, we underestimated the embrace of a particular kind of Remain vote. Yeah. By the end, the Corbyn line was second referendum or our deal, which will necessarily be a softer Brexit. And I think to a certain extent, we. I convinced myself that that was somehow a half step. It wasn't a half step. It was entirely everything that continuity Remain wanted. He gave away everything. It was Remain or the deal, which was basically just Remain. And what did he get back for it? Absolutely nothing. It was done to quiet a certain kind of resistance, a certain kind of bad headline. Not only did he get the bad headline from the Brexit side, he got the bad headline from the Remain side yeah. anyway. Was he? Um, the, I think it was probably. I think it was Caroline Flynn, mm. um, who said, "Like you know, we sacrificed the North for places like Canterbury." Yeah, um, and that fucking woman, Rosie Duffield. Yeah, Jesus fucking Christ! Like just yeah. as like an aside, those people. Like her specifically, who got in in 2017 yeah. because of Corbyn supporting young people door knocking for her and voting for her yeah, and got back in. Was the surprise win of that, yeah. of 2017? And then got back in this year because of 
Labour, of course, Corbyn supporting gun people, yeah. door knocking and voting for her, and just shits all over them. Yeah. And you see her on Twitter shitting all over them. Mm. Fucking horrible. But, um. I just thought. I just thought. Yeah, I, like, the, the, the. It was stupid, and it's like, um, there's a. We say it all the time, and I think Labour people forgot this, or maybe they didn't think that. Maybe they didn't think about it properly. Like, you know, we always say liberals love fascists. They more than they hate more than they more than they love communists by a long shot. They hate yeah. they hate communists. Mm. Despise us. They hate us way more than they hate fascists. Mm. They will always side with anyone over us. Mm. And I think there is a large proportion of Labour people who are like, but we're not. I think they, and they thought I, the Lib Dems I, would see them as such. I think there was and a, it's like no, they'll vote for they'll vote for the fucking Green Party in a place where they've got no fucking chance. There was a certain persistence to the FUBP attacks that a. Perhaps we could have weathered. Had I, I, I don't know. I don't know uh, how how you could have weathered. Like it's it's too early. I haven't really. I haven't even thought about like a a counter to that. But like I think to a certain extent, the Labour Party obviously split between its its right, its liberal, and its left. I think that the long years in the wilderness, yeah, and the absolute domination of the right wing press means a lot of us even on the left, have this certain affinity with liberal institutions yeah. that has now, that faith has been completely shattered. Yeah. Like, it's it's completely gone. Yeah, the, the, the pivoting, it was a big mistake. It was disgusting. There, there were actually two pivots as well, right? Yeah. One was to the Brexit thing, and yeah. it was like, well... Oh, okay. I think maybe maybe this could be good tactical politics. Maybe yeah. this will do it. And maybe I was kidding myself. Maybe it's all hindsight. Yeah. The second, and this is going to seem so fucking stupid, but the line about calling the election. Nobody calls an election in December. Yeah, it's grey. It's cold. People are depressed. It depresses turnout. Yeah. and Labour was always going to be reliant on a higher turnout. Yeah. And as soon as he kind of... The, all those attacks about him him caving mm. to having an election, um, when his whole thing was wait until the transition period yeah. is extended, it just... It was, it was a... Like, in, if you weren't immersed in it, it must have felt like a worse idea than it did when you're, like, looking at shit every yeah. day. I think you know? it's like... Um, I've... The pivoting to having a second vote, it was like there's a lot of stuff that Corbyn gets shit for because he's made a moral choice and usually the correct choice. Mm. Like whether that's, you know, support for Palestinian rights, support for the support for um, support for Irish independence. Yeah. You know, these are morally right things to do. Yeah. And the pivoting to have a se- having a second vote was a sm- quote smart political thing that wasn't right. No, it wasn't fair. Like um, I was listening to Desolation Radios, um, after the election thing, mm. and it's like, of course, yeah, because it's it's disgusting. Like you know, you don't vote your entire, you don't vote for like most of your life, then you vote in this referendum, and then you're told no, yeah. we're gonna have a second one. It's okay though; you can vote again on it if you want, yeah. and, and maybe even vote a third time if you don't like it. Then yeah, exactly, and like. And of course, people are going to like go. No, I'll just vote for the one that will just do the thing that I do the thing that I already wanted. And not just those people. And this is the important thing. The people people who voted that way's friends and family who also agree. Like, mm. I found it hard. Yeah, it was always going to be a a. At some point, 
I don't I can't quite remember when it when it shifted, but the Labour Party in the Parliamentary Party as a whole went from clearly pointing out what Boris's game plan was mm. and how he wanted this to go and how he wanted an oppositional um, election. And somehow they yielded and did what they wanted. And that just happened. Yeah. And we then leaned on our second thing, which was, okay, good ground game, lots of enthusiasm, that kind of thing. And again, like hindsight, but any, there's a reason why governments have entrenched May as an election date. Yeah. It's because spring is coming. People have gotten over like not having any money after Christmas. Yeah. Um, they're out more. It's, it's easier to campaign. It's, it's after the um, financial year has ended. Yeah. So if you're going to be hired, you get hired. If you're going to be fired, you've been fired in April. Yeah. So things seem less bad. It's, um, and like, I think also I couldn't necessarily have predicted... Um, like Boris had a really shitty campaign in microcosm. Mm-hmm. But in macrocosm, I think a lot of what we didn't see was this meta picture that was emerging, which was... I thought when you compared the two, even if they both came off looking bad, um, it either didn't matter or it was cancelled out by one another. Yeah. Boris being booed everywhere he goes. Yeah. And then I th- can't remember where I saw it, but it was... Um, oh, it might have been, uh, yeah, the, like I said, Desolation Radio, yeah. um, uh, Dan Evans yeah. did an article um, talking about what he'd heard, like going around talking to people. And yeah. it made me realise that, like, in getting mad about smears and Boris's terrible performance, I didn't combine the two. Mm. I thought both were perceived as dangerous, but of course, only Corbyn was perceived as dangerous. Boris was perceived as ultimately irritating and and facile, yeah. but not an actual threat. Yeah, you know. Corbyn, uh, Boris was irritating, Corbyn was frightening. He was too close to people who, he was too close to causes and people that people have been conditioned in this country over and over again to regard as dangerous and frightening. You're in this low information environment where I'm pretty sure a significant number of the British people are convinced that the British army beat the IRA and that's why the IRA aren't around anymore. So every time you hear about the IRA, he's not only tacked to an enemy cause, he's tacked to a losing cause. Despite the fact that actually the IRA and Sinn Féin fought the British state Mm -hmm. to a standstill and actually got preferential treatment in the Stormont uh, arrangement, in Good Friday arrangement. I just don't think like any, any counter... Any counter-argument that suggests that Boris is close to the House of Saud yeah. and to, to other foreign head choppers, yeah. whatever you might, however you might uh, call it, I don't think that perception was going to change as long as it was reinforced by like the one line of dialogue or the 30-second news flash twice a day. And like, yeah, that moves on to that, like, yeah, what I said, like about the media environment being so tightly constrained to go from headline... To, to argument point, you know? You didn't live in London when Boris won his mayoral elections. I did not, know. What like, year was that? Um, 2005? Everything feels weird at the moment. Um, yeah. But, yeah, when he won his elections, 
But that's literally what they how they did it that time. Mm. Like they do, like he's bumbling and fun. Yeah, it's that thing. Like um, that dickhead at my wedding, mm. who um, described himself as not a conservative but a Boris conservative mm. because it's like kind of funny and da, 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 da. Mm. and I almost killed him. Um, you were very drunk. Fair play. Yeah, but you know, I think I, did, I I won the moral victory by getting him into a drinking contest of absinthe for watching his tiny body collapse. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway. Um, it's I. It's weird that I forgot that, because there's like this thing. Look, it was different to be fair, because before there was an element of you kind of have to like him because he's bumbling and harmless. Yeah. I don't actually think that I haven't got the words to describe what he is now. All I know is that put up against potentially dangerous, shadowy yeah. figures around Jeremy Corbyn, yeah. who I think people also viewed as largely harmless. Yeah. Um, a best say for you. Uh, 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 well, not harmless, but like. It wasn't specifically him. Mm. They didn't. They couldn't. They couldn't describe why they didn't like Corbyn. But all they knew was danger. Mm. All they knew is that he had the mark on him. You know. And Boris doesn't have that mark. Yeah. Well, he does, but the media will. He should. He should. Yeah. But he doesn't. That's not the way these things are signified. Yeah. What are the things? Um. I talked to my mum today, Mm. and. Me and my mum don't really agree on politics at all. And she asked me a very weird question for a mother to ask of her son. Um, which is, how does your wife deal with you being in the Labour Party, seeing as she's Jewish? <laughs> yeah. Which is a weird thing for a, for someone who ostensibly knows me and my Jewish wife. It's because, of course, it never they never went into it. Uh, I, I still haven't seen a proper... But she thinks that. My mum does actually yeah, think that. I know. It's a, and it's like, I, put, I told her that, you know, like... But, what is, it, but what is it based on? It's based on... It's, uh, I don't have a better word for it other than low information. Yeah. That you have a, str- uh, like a shadow of an opinion. You have a, yeah. a, 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 a feeling, a, a striking image of something. And it's very hard to shake that mm-hmm. because you have no counter-message. There is, there was nothing countering it, saying, "Well, let's go into it." It was all wall to wall. He is personally an anti-Semite, and he's going to steal your children for Hezbollah. Yeah, you know, there's um, <laughs> I think there is, like, I I don't really want to go into it too much, but there is something in the stuff that you've seen on Facebook and the responses from people that some of the stuff that people were reporting back from on the doorstep. Mm. Of things that were just weird, confusing things. Oh yeah, like Jeremy Corbyn Insta- in, like had the bedroom tax. Yeah, we've well, I mean, it's the the whole idea that Labour have actually been in charge. Yeah, in charge, but no specifics. No, they have been in like they have had a majority in Parliament. Yeah, they. My local councillor is Labour. My MP is Labour. Yeah. There's no nothing more than that, because largely the ruling class is indistinguishable mm-hmm. to a lot of people, mm-hmm. and I think that perhaps there was not enough of a distinction made, it, especially with the lead into the election being so so much about parliamentary wrangling. You get the impression that this is the ruling class in in play. Mm-hmm. This is why they're doing it. This wasn't the insurgent campaign of all of that. This was a you know an embedded member of the of the of the establishment yeah. coming to take your Brexit, yeah. which was in the at the end of the day an easy, easy, easy yeah. thing to 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 
yeah. I mean, also there was a there was a couple of other things like I didn't like that were just general election like observations. Like we're currently on the uh, we're currently on the extremely modest high point of the post recession uh, upswing. Yeah. That is yeah obviously horrendously unequal, extremely shit. But maybe it's just enough for people to be scared to lose a little, and so. Yeah less willing to take a risk next recession is coming we're always told and everybody's very scared and very anxious and all that kind of thing um and i think like the left behind thing functions in exists but exists in an entirely different way than has been portrayed up till now and is being portrayed now Mm -hmm. um most of the mobilization has been around some kind of cultural sense a, a grievance politics that we are the left behind. It doesn't matter about your economic situation because the middle class in the North will describe itself as left behind. Yeah. Um, but also, there's an element of this upswing shouldn't be, dis- this Tory upswing shouldn't be, di- economic upswing shouldn't be disturbed because then we could become left behind mm. as well. There's a, there's a lot of in, like much more intricate economic trends and attitudes happening than is ever reported. Yeah. And that, doesn't go well for Labour. Um, That's the one of the reasons why they did lose so much is a, the Corbyn Labour refusing to change up its game with regards to the provinces. Which is I'm sure like I'm pretty certain that's how they refer to it, of like the North East, Scotland, mm. Wales. It would be the same in Northern Ireland if they're allowed to run in Northern Ireland, mm. um, because they did the exact same thing that they that, that Miliband, Blair, Brown, mm. going back forever did. Of we'll get to you later. Yeah, um, I think to an extent. I mean, hold, hold steady. It will be fine. There was a lot. And like there was a lot more. There was a lot more promises, but it, it all depends on how that breaks through. Not there's really. no, but there's no information flow other than the mainstream national media. There's no, there's no way of getting that information out to people. There's no local news anymore that isn't dominated by the BBC. Yeah, the thing is, local you're, you're news never going to convince. Um, like, okay, in the northeast and stuff, you could. You, there needs to be stuff to do with like councils that change yeah. and stuff like that. But like in Wales, they could have. They needed to say something about dealing with Welsh labour. Yes. With Scotland, they need to do something about dealing with Scottish yeah. labour. Um, and they deserve everything that happens to them in both of those places because of it. The North East is different. You don't have, like, a separate parliament to, like, have to, like, to fiddle yeah. with and a separate party to fiddle with. But, like, Welsh labour doesn't need to exist. It needs to be fucking torn apart and start again. Mm. It's disgusting. I mean, look, that that... I think maybe they felt that that would be a long-term project, which is also also a failing of which what happened, what which was, we'll get state power yeah. and then see what we do. And, no. you know, in fairness, they have provided an access point to, like, sidestep a lot of the left's traditional problems with who to ally themselves to, how to affect change, and it was like they provided one central place for this for this change to to occur and you know i don't think anybody would regret the way that they've mobilized so many people i mean he's been leader for four four and a half years yeah that's it yeah you know and in the real world with with a decade and in the real world like this whole thing 
might have worked. But I think we've we have drastically underestimated that people don't live in the real world. I don't think that you can talk about a country where a lot of places, when they talk about a particular political figure and they don't like him, they repeat attack lines in the exact same verbiage as um, the news report that they've said. They don't have any further information on that. And I'm not calling them stupid. What I'm saying is that there is a certain high, a, a certain hive mind that has that has grown up because they only have national mm. national media to 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 talk about. Like when you only hear those exact words you've seen on the telly, and you just hear them ad verbatim with no follow up. Like that's tremendous power, and they're like fully costed manifesto. No one's going to read it. No. They're going to read. Oh well, that's two thousand pounds extra. I don't even think anyone believed it, but it was enough to put a pause. Yeah. And because you have no control over that message, you have no um, control over the flow of information. Like basically, now we live in the world where the Tories have to suggest something. It then becomes an issue. It then becomes something that Labour need to rebut. Yeah, that's the kind of power that that very very concentrated information environment has on how people feel about themselves. And like, that's the closest comparison we have now to the way that the state is going to be is like Hungary. Mm. Um, You have one party in control of a lot of the levers and the apparatus of the state. A state, by the way, that isn't governed by law or regulation, but is governed by the fact that, well, traditionally, generally, people do the same thing that they've always done in the correct way. That's the only protection we have now. Yeah. You know? Um, it was really weird. Like I was listening to, um, like it was this Congolese blues like thing that came up on my Spotify. Um, and I had a moment of thinking about that flash of, uh, Matthew Dancona, his article that he did just before the, uh, the election about Corbyn being converted to anti-imperialism by nefarious third worlders. (laughs) And it was like, now that we've broken into this new political world of, the heartlands, which yeah. I have heard more in the last four days than I ever have before. Yeah. You know, that hectoring, bullying triumphalism is going to be everywhere. And we're going to see authentocracy deployed like we never have before. You know, this is going to be, this is going to be harsh. You know, um, they've been scared and now they're, they're back and they're already starting to purge. The the Telegraph had a fucking uh, thing the other day on removing left voices, left people from the institutions. Trying to purge. A counter-revolution through the institutions. Yeah. Um, Francis Barber, Twitter favourite. You have to shoot trots to make them leave. Yep. Um, All of the language of the Cold War, anti-communist movements of the Cold War. Um, And uh, Aisha Hazarika, again, a Labour voice Mm -hmm. talking about how the far left are going to have to be banned from should be banned from media Mm -hmm. and that's so banishing owen jones ash sarkar grace blakely faiza shaheen and i mean don't worry about get about your notions of balance or impartiality because they've already got something for that this is where my conspiratorial side comes in what have we had over the last several years that could maybe take the place of the corbynite left and the model for it is the brexit party we have the Spike Network. Yeah. You know, we've got 
a proper left ready to take their places. So Oz Katterji, Claire Fox, James Bloodworth, Paul Embury, the entire Spiked and the fucking Stupid Cow website yeah. network. Ready, ready-made left voices. And we'll see how much they care about free speech then. Um, I mean, they've been doing this contrarian thing to like weaponize and colonize this illusionary range of opinions expressly for this situation, whereby they would get to properly remove the voices that they don't want to hear. Um, and it's it's fucking terrible Um, they're going for the whole victory now and that's something that we have to they are kicking well down we have to we have to that's what we have to defend against now and hopefully we have enough time and can maintain enough connections with each other I think that's like most important because I I think you know a formal party hierarchy obviously is uh, organisation is important um but just to to properly have time to go through all of these things and properly work them out is is crucial. Well, one of the things that's different to like, you know, we've talked about for the when Labour lost in ninety two, hmm. and then they sort of drifted apart. Yeah, the left just went off and did its own. No, they uh-huh. went off into different and different things. Yeah, the world was different then. Hmm. Say so you were politically active, you were door knocking, all that kind of stuff. After an election defeat, what happens? Mm. Are you you know you're like I'll talk to you next week. Yeah. Whereas like on Thursday night and on Friday morning and on Saturday, um, I was talking to people. I had like I had quite a few messages. I was talking to people on Twitter and other things. People who were very sad. Yeah. And those networks are still there. They're not shattered. Yeah. And that's a big difference. Yeah. a number of thoughts about how this episode should be structured um the bit you've just heard that's the sad bit you know dead flag blues at the beginning all that all that kind of stuff um there's a number of emotions we've been feeling obviously uh sadness and, and mourning is is one of them another one is anger something that we tend to be yeah. actually quite quite good at generally i yeah. think so uh, this the- this should be a warning uh, like the things i say here may not seem entirely fair <laughs> or you know, it may seem a bit, you know, cynical and utilitarian, but this is the this is the space for it. Yeah. This isn't a content warning. It's <laughs> just I need to explain myself before I go off king. As we put on our salmon blazers. <laughs> oh, you... <laughs> because damn it. I was the thing I said to you like on the on like the next day was Mark Henry's best heel turn. <laughs> When he put, he has his little salmon blazer. Oh, he's going to retire. He's, he yeah. says he's going to retire, and so comes he's out. tired. He's old, and then he just fucking wrecks John Cena. It's like I've still got plenty more in the tank, <laughs> and I do. Yeah, and so do you. I need a sweet salmon blazer <laughs> and a mace. <laughs> um, yes. So, right. What makes you? What made you angriest? What made me specifically angry? And a lot of the the things. Are we talking that about I the was... campaign, or are we talking about instantly Any, of the night? Um, as I sat there in the chair and was try, trying to to 
like get my head around a lot of the things that had happened and the reasons why we got to this point. Yeah. I ended up thinking a lot about Jess Phillips and that laughter. Yeah. And the stories of Stella Creasy, uh, her staff laughing in a pub as the results came in. The fucking Rosen crowd. And, yeah, a lot of that stuff. And all I could think was, when you need to achieve a political objective, you generally set up um, conditions by which it will be as easy as possible. If there's something blocking you in the way of that political objective, you treat it seriously. Yep. And not as necessarily as a... You have to be aware of the limits of persuasion and the amount people will bend. Yeah. Johnson, when he came in to the leadership of the Tory party, came in with a clear idea of what he wanted to do. Yeah. What did he do to achieve this? In the first fortnight, he purged his fucking party. He set them with a vote they couldn't compromise on that had a clear policy, party, and democratic interest backing it up. He didn't just do it willy-nilly, admittedly. He set up a vote, and when they voted against it, he suspended them. Mm -hmm. This was in September. That's three months ago. Where are they now? Where are those people now? They've all lost their seats. They are all gone. More importantly, where are they not? They're not on the daily politics. They're not being interviewed on political programs. Yeah. They have gone completely because the media recognises that when you lose those couple of letters after your name, you become significantly less. Yeah. So that list of people he purged included Ken Clark, one of the most recognisable faces in politics. Yeah. It included Philip Hammond, the literal previous chancellor. Yeah. It included Rory Stewart, this, okay, admittedly weird potential new hope for the party. Nicholas be nice S- to that sweet Maharaj. Nicholas Soames, the who, most conservative man in England. Who was capital C born out of a kidney stone. But like a scion of conservative yeah. party history. Yeah. If you needed how to have that weight of tradition represented in a single yeah. human being, As he was it born, would have been him. He slapped the arse of a nurse. Right? And a whole bunch of former cabinet ministers. Yeah, just so them. expertise and uh, position and importance, no argument against getting rid of people. What did they do? What did Labour do with those people, those similar people? Right. Think about the exact correlation between those people I've just mentioned and the people that Corbyn could have been harder with. Tom Watson, a recognisable face. Yeah. Okay, not quite as recognisable as Ken Clark, but you know. Um, Chris Leslie was Shadow Chancellor. Yeah. Chuck Ramuna, the future hope of politics, all that gumph. Self-described um, Obama of British politics. Yeah. Stephen Kinnock, Hillary Benn, the scions of prominent families in the party. Yeah. What did they do with them? They allowed them to leave on their own timetable yeah. for their own reasons, remain as MPs, framing their own exits, and then they responded with fucking grace. Yeah. Grace and humility that they couldn't come to an understanding. Did this make them look any less nasty in the press? No. No, it fucking didn't. On the flip side, how many ex-Labour MPs from 2017 do you see being asked for interviews? How many ex-Labour MPs from 2015 Mm -hmm. do you see being asked in regularly to talk about the Labour Party? There are some. You can't avoid that. But... Not many, because the press knows that once you're out, your credibility's gone. And I'm not trying to be, like, macho or anything like that, but what was the advantage of keeping them around? 
You didn't have a majority anyway. You could largely predict the way that they would vote on Brexit, yeah. which is all that you were dealing with at that point. Yeah. What was the plan to deal with this constantly undermining, counter-briefing, shitty part of the party? Either they're in and they're supportive, or they're out and useless. What's the use of them remaining in and useless? What essential element of the Labour coalition did they represent? Was it the one that lobbied for a second referendum and then complained about it? Was it the one that um, was it the ones that all stood behind him and said, "Yeah, Jeremy, yeah, go for a general election." Was it them? It was the ones who signed up to the manifesto and then the day after said that the manifesto was the problem. All that happened from postponing what to do with them was the perception that Labour were constantly, constantly on the defensive. Yeah. Right? That they were more besieged than the ninth year of a fucking hated government. Yeah. The piranhas of the right-wing press sent blood and the centre followed because yeah. they could see that these people were not going anywhere. What if you were watching this? What if you were watching it vaguely closely? Yeah. Like, if you have no fight to get rid of people who actively oppose you and your agenda, undermine you at every step, within your own organisation, your own supposed allies, what are the fucking chances that they're going to stick with you when you're going up against the most powerful people in the world? Yeah. Oh, I'm going to tax Amazon, mm, but I can't get rid of the MP from Stitchley. I, I can't get rid of Chris Leslie. Yeah. Can't deal with Mike Gapes. Yeah. But I'm going to deal with Bezos. And the, like, the right-wing MPs demanding Corbyn resign and say sorry, like, after the election. Like, he did everything, fucking everything you wanted and yeah. more. Up to and including the election, losing yeah. the election. That's yeah. what they wanted. Don't worry, we always have faith, family and flag in our back pocket. Yeah. Don't worry, we can just whip that out and people will definitely believe that. Oh, man. It's just all of the... Every single commentator who talked about racism. Like, racism isn't going to mean anything in the next five years. No. You're going to see unprecedented scales, but of course it's going to be well, nothing. Stuff. Nothing next to the, oh, the colossal, unspeakable racism of Jeremy Corbyn's Labour Party. Yeah. Where are all these fucking great anti-racists now? Mm. Oh, they're, oh, they fought racism all their life and they just couldn't bring themselves to fight for Jeremy Corbyn. So they had to go out and talk constantly about how... Um, this population of the UK, this particular population of the UK are under threat. This government's going to start naming target populaces. Well, it's going to be... A, they did in their manifesto and they're going to be able to expand it. How much is the traveller part, anti-traveller pogrom part of the Tory manifesto going to roll over? Yeah. How many other people are not going to have the right to stop? Protesters? Yeah. Probably. Yeah. yeah. Well, already, like, um, the... the the most Tory named policy that they're coming out with as well, of the um, of the right to work, the right to get to work, to deal with um, yeah. train strikes, they're gonna roll out all kinds of hate. <laughs> yeah, and they've enabled that straight up. Now, look, yeah. there might have been nothing that maybe those are uh, those MPs that they didn't purge. Maybe they were, maybe they would have been worse, but they would have been worse for a little bit. Yeah, the absolute lack of political will to firmly prosecute your vision has to come in to what happened last Thursday. There's, they were called ex-Labour the entire time. Yeah. Despite having joined, mul some of them, multiple other parties. <laughs> um, they were constantly referred to ex-Labour. And it was always used as a stick. And it was always... 
they were able to some of them were able to frame themselves as these principled anti-racist because like I was forced to leave because of racism yes whereas if they were been sacked they wouldn't have been able to say that every single person who left every single incident and these a lot of these incidents were carefully drip fed drip fed I do not believe that certain people nobly held on to their uh, worries about you know anti-semitism yeah. or the far left agenda in like when they were mps and i refuse to believe that they held on to that for that long just so that they could make a principled stand then but there was nothing in response to it no. absolutely nothing no wonder people thought you're anti-semitic you never came out and actually laid out in detail the things that you needed to do yeah. and even- it might have been another thing I repressed because of the the like I I really thought Boris genuinely did a bad job during the debates, yeah. but there was an element where I think I'm not being ageist, but I think a younger person would have been able to be more agile in responding to these things. He doesn't have to be aggressive, but so much of the time, we talked about Jeremy Corbyn's gentleness and his ability to weather all these storms. There's a difference between resilience. And toughness. Yeah. Right? I don't think it's an, an age thing at all. I think it is a, a Corbyn the man thing. It's part of what... It's part of what... Why he is good. And that's the thing. Like, one of the things I'm angry about is the monstering of a good man. Yeah, yeah. Um, He wouldn't have been able to last as long as he did. And he's going to leave with calmness and grace because of mm-hmm. his resilience. Yeah. A tougher, more aggressive man wouldn't have lasted in Parliament for as long as he did. I genuinely think that. I don't there's agree. A, I don't well, agree a, with no, that. There's a reason why there's a reason why they don't have any. No, because there's, there's a, a reason why Corbyn was the only one who ended no, up. No, I absolutely leader. think I absolutely, is I absolutely a bit tougher, think, but he's not that he's not realistically that much tougher. I would be one interested I would be interested to see how people perceive John McDonnell as opposed to Jeremy Corbyn, like popularity polls and all that. For, yeah, he's he's more popular. He's, he's, he's always been more pop- yeah. popular. But He's There's also, a way of tempering. He's that. also, he's also not as good on a lot of yeah, issues. Yeah, sure. Yeah, and part of that is because he is he is a bit more aggro. But I don't, I don't. He wouldn't have been able to survive holding the holding the positions that Corbyn had for. True. So many times I felt though that that goodness, yeah. that 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 good stuff, was washed away because they couldn't bring it to bear mm. at a time and a position that it could have made the most use. Yeah. Those election we know that debates, you know, they're not for necessarily for changing people's minds, but no. they are for impressing bystanders. Yeah. There were a lot of bystanders there who probably said yeah, he did all right and he came across very like as a good person. Yeah. But he didn't there was so much more yeah. that needed to be done than just hold their ground. Maybe it was a hangover from the unexpected success of the 2017 election. I don't know. Yeah, he's not an, he he's could, not an he aggressive should, man. He should have got, yeah, he, it would have been nice to have a more... Uh, what I'm saying is, it would have been nice for him to be more aggressive, um, but that isn't the kind of person he is. It's also one of his best qualities, is how not aggressive he is. Mm. And that's why he was able to, to, to get to I the just, position that he, that he did. The thing is, because what we're now we need in- going forwards is not that, because what Corbyn has shown is that in this environment you can't survive like that. What you need is, um, is you need MPs who, when they're on the shitty chat show with Aisha Hazarika, 
who's shouting at them or like Tom Newton Dunn. That's something that's so If you're sitting on a fucking panel show with Tom Newton Dunn and yeah. you're not bringing up the fact that he he published a neo-Nazi kill list and then just took it away and then was all quiet about it, if you don't just sit there pointing it out constantly until they turn off the cameras, then you're a fucking coward. They're this, not going to stop doing... This is like... This is part of what the first thing I was... The first kind of thoughts that I was having after the the kind of initial election uh, stuff was that there has to be a certain separation now, I think, from the left and establishment liberalism. Mm-hmm. We're never going to be able to get away from liberal principles because guess what? Most of them are the things that we want. But yeah. this is now... This now has to be a war situation because fuck knows the government are declaring war on people. Mm. They are declaring war on people right now. And if we are not prepared to wage that kind of campaign, that kind of, um, have that kind of focused attack on people who happily sit and talk about how they want to purge the far left Mm -hmm. and the left from the general discourse, we have no truck with them. The Guardian are not your paper anymore. The BBC are not your chosen uh, place for you to air your views. There's, yeah. no, there's, there has to be a. You can't break with them entirely. I get that. Um, it's not even about people writing for them. Yeah. Like it's not even about like Owen Jones and Ash Sarkar writing for them. It's about our enmeshment with the fucking nonsense that they put out every single day. Yeah. We did that Suzanne Moore article yeah. um, a few weeks ago, and like I got some email with Suzanne Moore in the New Statesman, um, some email about like saying she's got a, she's got an article. Do you know what her article was about? Oh. Do you think if I had if I hadn't had children, I'd be a different person? <laughs> what? Why? Why do we even need to engage with these yeah. people as if they're serious people anymore? Yeah. No one reads them. All they do is make us doubt the idea that we actually have a place to play, mm-hmm. that we actually have a role to play in all this. Um, like There was just one more thing I wanted to say about the, the like, lack of will in reforming the things that we already had rather than the things that we thought we could get yeah. from the election. Councils. Yeah. We have fucking talked about them for ages and ages. Yeah. And as we said to a large number of people, the council is the only political authority they ever see. It's the only political authority they think has any impact over their lives. Hence why, you know, maybe if you were a drifting voter and you saw what a Labour council had done to your area, you might have second thoughts about voting for them. And across this heartland, heartlands of the Labour vote, they return Labour councils for fucking generations. And all they get in return is they cut down your trees, they sell off your land for high-profit housing, they auction off your services to the lowest bidder. There is literally no discernible difference in the way that most Labour councils conduct themselves and like a Tory or Liberal council will yeah. conduct itself. It's no coincidence that like way, way back when we talked about Brexit, we talked about like, the political impact of like bins, roadworks, hedges, and how they intersect with like the little vexation and the vexations and the effective politics about how you vote and how you identify people who you don't like and who you'd want to see gone. You want to talk about reconnecting the national vote with local institutions and people think of, rightly, yeah, unions and they hark back to working men's clubs and youth centres mm-hmm. and they talk about, you know, setting up local services. We already fucking have that. We have local institutions with budgets yeah. and political powers and all they are is fucking retirement offices for, like... 
your borough's 10 richest lawyers <laughs> with low expectations and yeah. life ambitions. Yeah. People retire into councils and you have all of this stuff there. And what is the connection between the main party, the main, all of this support and their local councils? It's nothing. Mm-hmm. They might as well be independent fiefdoms. There were a lot of, obviously, uh, particularly um, uh, like Welsh leftists talking about how fucking terrible Welsh Labour are. And Welsh Labour are in power mm-hmm. right now. And have been. Forever. And have been for decades. What, yeah, as and, far as long as it's existed. And it's like one of our long-term goals has to be getting a grip on this. There's no question of being called totalitarian and a cult, anything yeah. like that. If you want to see a political change, you have to take these things into account. Mm-hmm. You have to start cracking down on this stuff. If anything, we weren't totalitarian enough. Yeah. What plurality do you want to see exactly? What plurality is there left? We're going to live in Orban's Britain. <laughs> yeah. You know, we've said time and time again, like, ideas don't succeed on the basis of them being good. Mm-hmm. They succeed because they have a material basis, they make the most sense to the most amount of people, and occasionally, in this weird, corrupted world, they're put forward by power. Yeah. And we have little pockets of power here and there that we could be using. If we're going to tolerate this broad church approach, we have to at least get into a position where an, we're an indispensable part of that conversation. Why did the government negotiate with the unions for so many years? Why were the unions an indispensable part of the economic life of this country? Because the government was scared about what it would do if they weren't. Mm -hmm. They forced their way to that table. We have to make ourselves indispensable. When centrists say, oh, you know, like, we can't... uh, Sorry. We can't lean on the, uh, like, the, the... coasting argument anymore that centrists lost an election and lost and all their ideas are terrible their ideas are terrible but that's not a rhetorical strategy we can lose we can use anymore because we put our ideas out there and in the admittedly very weird and corrupted democratic sense they were rejected yeah doesn't mean the ideas were bad i don't think no it's how those ideas are presented and how people can see you build up and a national infrastructure and organisation that can actually put those ideas into practice. You know? Like, centrists go around challenging policies and they say, like, oh, you know, they 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 don't work, they're terrible. What did they do? They bitched and complained constantly. Mm-hmm. They applied, ultimately, a strategy of rhetorical pressure. At the very least, we should be doing that. Yeah. We should not allow anyone to get away with any single thing. There's a recurring thing with, like... I don't understand the desire. Like, Labour Party is a broad church-ish. Yeah. The thing is, since the influx of new members, that broad church is it's a di- it's slightly it's weighted differently yeah, than it certainly. was traditionally. And Numbers count. Yeah, and That's... there's a significant part of that tent that shouldn't be listened to at all anymore. Mm. And if they carry on bitching and moaning, then they shouldn't be in the tent anymore. Mm. For example, Luke Akerst. But also think about... Like, a lot of those people, they... Why? Yeah. Why? But but also, matching ideas against ideas isn't... I think it... Like, I enjoy it, don't get me wrong. Like, as a person, I enjoy doing that. But, like, it's not going to be enough anymore. Because there will be enough ammunition on both sides that they will... They will never get anywhere. Yeah. So you've got to think really cynically and really tactically about it. Why does Toby Young still have a job? Toby Young has a job 
because is it because well I mean his his idea he doesn't go out into the marketplace of ideas compete and prove that his ideas are better no I read his book he got it because he's the best <laughs> no it's because Toby Young is useful to someone mm-hmm. in peddling a particular kind of shit policy mm-hmm. um, and thereby advancing those ideas he is indispensable to that particular person yeah. now that logic has to prevail on our side as well it the fucking Tories know it. The right knows it. They've known it since, what, 55, when the Institute of Economic Affairs yeah. was set up. They know that these ideas don't just come across because they're good. They come across because they have something that is... Uh, they have, they're proposed by people who are an indispensable part that cannot afford to be ignored. Now, that's what the left has to do. We have to make ourselves unable to be ignored. Because that's what they'll do otherwise. If we just rest on our, our ideals yeah. and our, our superior um, policies, we'll get fucking creamed. Mm-hmm. Because they have all the power. They have every position. If we have to invent new positions for ourselves, that's what we have to do. You know, it's... We are going to have to, you know, slap a lot of people in the mouth when they talk shit. Yeah. You know? And I'm not just talking about, like, journos and politicos, obviously. But, like... People you know. Yeah. Like, people people think Labour have been in government for the past 30 years. Yeah. Like, you can't carry on. Like, I don't want to... I, I do think people know their own lives. What they don't know is how their lives intersect with everything else. They're fucking scared. They're li- most like loads of people have had to move back in with family. They want someone that they can rely on, that they can depend on, that is indispensable to them. Yeah. And that's what we have to get to. We have to get to that state. We need to be prepared to tell people that they're rubes because they don't respect us if we just allow them to continue in this weird. Um, illusory world that they seem to have got themselves into. Like, you can't have another generation of people being lied to that bombing a foreign country isn't going to result in a load more terrorism. You can't tell somebody in, like, I don't know, who's got a son in the army that they should be proud to fucking serve when they're being sent off to, to invade another Middle Eastern country and they get their dick blown off by an IED. We can't lie to people. We owe more to people than that, than to just carry on with this idea that if we appeal to the angels of their better nature, that that's all we need. We need both. Otherwise, we're just going to be extinguished. Hmm. So where do we go from here? Yeah. Uh, So most of the talk is going to be centred around the new Labour leader. Mm-hmm. Um, and Jess Phillips. It's Jess Phillips. It's Jess Phillips, isn't it? No, Tell me it's Jess no, Phillips. It's Jess Phillips. It's Jess Phillips. And Andy. Don't you it want is. Jess Phillips? Don't you want Jess Phillips? Isn't it Jess Phillips? You should have Jess Phillips. <laughs> I really think you should have Jess Phillips. Look at all these Tories telling you it should be Jess Phillips. <laughs> Unnamed Tory sources <sighs> they'd be really afraid of Jess Phillips. <laughs> it's, I fucking love it. Like on my Facebook, I've got I follow a few like really heavily fubpy um, people. I think like acquaintances, really. Yeah. And I keep them there basically because I need, I need to be able to know how they justify things. Yeah. These same fucking rubes yeah. who get taken, who got taken in by all of the people's vote stuff and yeah. all of the remain stuff, um, are totally, totally taken in by the pro face. Mm. I fucking love it. It's um, so great. Did you see that thing of her saying like, "Well, yes, for a, my mum did have a place in France." Yeah. 
Yeah. But um, no, it'd be Jess. It'd like, I love that. Don't you see that lovely poll? The Jess Phillips comes just behind, don't know. <laughs> yeah. But on that same poll, Keir Starmer, like people saying, like, well, it has to be Keir Starmer. Oh, yeah. Fuck off. No. no, it won't be. He's not popular. But also, no, fuck off. It's like, oh, look, we've just told all these people that their vote means nothing. And then they told us they were really upset with that opinion. But have you and considered? So, yeah, so we'll send them a fucking lawyer to explain it to them better. Have you considered? He has nice hair. <laughs> Does he? <laughs> I, I, I have no idea what he looks like. Six months later. Oh, no, I couldn't possibly vote for him because he said he doesn't like chips or some shit like that. Yeah. You know? um, there's the push for Lisa Nandy. Um, got to remember that, you know, she'll bring all of her political nous that she brought to Owen Smith's campaign. <laughs> yeah, Lisa Nandy, uh, half Indian and the granddaughter of a lord. I can't imagine what the attack lines on her will be. No, they'll be nice about her because she's the, she's the blue <laughs> Labour pick, isn't she? Frank, no, they won't be nice about her. That's the whole point. These fucking yeah, groups. Yeah. Guido has been talking up Lisa Nandy, yeah. has been talking up Jess Phillips and blue Labour. Yeah. Every single, cons- like... All right adjacent um, website has been talking up, um, well, yeah, Yeah. implicit now, has been talking up Blue Labour. And, yeah, no, I always take tactical advice from people who want to see me dead. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's so fucking stupid. Aside from anything, right, the whole idea that Blue Labour has been lurking in the background all this time and suddenly think that they can come in and take the Labour Party and just whip out patriotism like it's a, a card from their back pocket that they've kept there just in case, just for emergencies. Yes, I might be wrong about Blue Labour, but weren't they like pretty much born out of trying to deal with the BMP and like Barking and Dagenham? Uh, the EDL. Yeah, but you know, no, um, like it was like John Craddus and that, and you know that lot when they were, like all that stuff. Blue Blue Labour was much but was in much. What way is it's like? You know, there's, there's like, oh, no, you can't have any... Which is fun, what, like, now Corbyn's going, so, you know, outcome the, well, the next one can't be a North London metropolitan elite. And it's like, oh, okay, so you're... Oh, so we're done with the anti-Semitism. Yeah, you know? we just... Sad. That was just a convenient thing. But it's like, oh, no, we can't we can't be talked down to by, people, by um, people from the South. Except for these ones that say, more racism, please. And are all Oxford academic, Oxford educated academics. Yeah. Every single fucking fucking one of them. Mm-hmm. Blue Labour, like, I think, like, Joe Kennedy talks about it in um, Authenticrats, and I think he's probably on the money. Um, Blue Labour grew out of a the communitarian element of New Labour, mm-hmm. right? Which was pride in local community and eventually developed as a kind of band-aid for the guilt that a lot of New Labour architects and thinkers felt at the general um, degradation of ex-industrial areas and and other things. And, like, viewed patriotism as something that could be, as New Labour's, uh, it was like a technocratic enterprise, that viewed patriotism, if applied... Basically, they wanted to means-test patriotism and apply that to all of the lack of soul that they felt had come out of the new labor project yeah. right not understanding that of course that like the racism that go like patriotism is necessarily an exclusionary thing it's a it's an implicit thing as well it's a, it's an emotional thing it's something that you can't actually like conservatives go out there and talk about um, how patriotic they are and how much they love England. What England actually is, is 
always left unsaid. So when these like progressive patriots come along and try to change the meaning of England, all of the work, they're working against like a load of other stuff in the other direction that they can't come along because if you're English you're, and you're saying that being born into it is an exclusive privilege, it's therefore something that's implicit and inherent and not something that you can negotiate the edges of. Yeah. Especially in as nationalist and post-imperial a country as Britain is. Mm. You can't do it. It's It gets constructed easily as a reactionary project precisely because it is hierarchical and necessarily exclusionary. You know, it's, constru- it's socially constructed as much as anything else is, but the idea that you can just ride into town and take it yeah. is bollocks. It's bullshit. It's, um, I do... I like how quickly they've pivoted to it. Um, oh yeah, it was absolutely ready to go. Yeah, yeah, like it was the day ready. after. Yeah, there's no way that somebody like Maurice Glassman or mm. you know whoever, um, like sat there and said, "Oh, you know what? I had that idea, and maybe now is the time." Yeah, they um, were absolutely preparing for it. Yeah, there was this. The there was like almost a unified line, like on yeah. the day after. There was like um, the talk of, you know, it's become too much of a party of students. There was a fucking complaint, fucking Helen Lewis, talking about like, oh, it's because of identity politics. And like, oh, it's because of trans issues. Like, yeah, I'm sure, like, I remember I was reading... Um, when patriotism I was reading... is identity politics. What is yeah. patriotism if it's yeah, not identity don't, politics? They never, they never say that. But you know what they mean when they say that, when they say identity politics. I know, yeah. yeah. But like, I don't, I, when I was looking at, um, like, reading stuff that canvassers were saying, I didn't see a single one where there was like, well, I knocked on the door and they said, oh, yeah, we're going to be voting for the Labour Party. I would vote for the Labour Party. But if it wasn't for all these trans people... Yeah. Like, no, no one, one said that. No one, no one said that. that. Apart from Helen Lewis. Yeah. I mean, like, part of that... And you were supposed to go! <laughs> I'll stand by... The... You were supposed to go away! No, she's still in London right for the Atlantic. I know, go away. Um, and, yeah, there's this... There's a very dangerous undercurrent as well, because, as we said in the angry section... Mm. Talking about the moral innocence of the heartlands. That's also that's also where it starts and where it intersects with a lot of, say, the Oz Katagy school mm-hmm. and the uh, ninety two liberal yeah. school, the anti Thatcher school. What would have been anti Thatcher? What's very important to post Cold War liberals is the idea of moral innocence, as represented by, say, Live Aid, right? Yeah. Live Aid was a charity concert that construed the victims of famine as purely moral innocents, and then there were moral monsters who were the ones who uh, were, were perpetrating this on people. Jeremy Corbyn. Jeremy Corbyn, specifically. Or, you know, whether. You know, they, yeah. What was important is that the victims were, were morally innocent. Yeah. Of course, when you look into the Ethiopian famine, there's a lot more about the ongoing war and how it was, it was a political situation to be involved. But that makes it complicated resolved. and muddy. It's the Adam Curtis um, Odeerism yeah. thing, right? And there's an element of them trying to transfer and look for the moral innocent within British politics. And the danger is... If they get fixated on the defence and promotion of this mythical white leave voter who just needs one easy trick, not only will it not work, but it immediately puts the onus on developing... It, it's proto-fascist. Yeah. It puts the onus on, on um, those people to tell people what they want. And those wants are only filtered 
through the right through the right yeah those wants can only be satisfied by the right because otherwise you're just a conservative party yeah it's a and most of the blue labor people by the way have gone into full um into full conservatism oh yeah there's um have you seen john milbank yeah yeah john milbank is like a theology professor i think at oxford yeah he has a really obnoxious picture and has proper like he's like i think he developed this thing like radical orthodoxy i think it's called which is a I think it's basically an attempt to try and be more like the Russian Orthodox Church in its political leanings, which is worrying. Yes. But again, it's like you you're you're you want this kind of uh belt and braces, like flat cap um nationalism and, and patriotism all proposed by rich like rich millionaires yeah. and like beardy weirdy academics. Yeah, like that's what John um, Milbank is. It's, it's um, so strange. I'm glad that I, they're not going to get anywhere. I don't mm. think Blue Labour are going to get anywhere, like in the no. leadership election, because, and I'm very glad. One of the things, okay, I'm glad they're not going to get anywhere, because I wouldn't want to be in that party. Um, it's wrong to think that, say, like if you did the Blue Labour thing, yeah, and say it worked mm. actually, and you got a load of voters mm. in the northeast mm-hmm. and stuff, you got them all back. Or, or you didn't get the ones back, but you got some new Tory ones, which is probably more likely. Yeah. Um, you will lose significant chunks of the southeast. You will lose. This I think. Of, um, I don't. I, forgot, I don't no, think. I forgot his name. Matthew. Is it Matthew Goodwin? The one who wrote the book. Yeah, Matthew Goodwin. Yeah, he was on the thing. He was on the news, and he was on news night, and he was talking about the different sections of the Labour Party. Yeah. And the different sections, and he had like, and he separate. He did students and minorities were were a group. And they were separate from the working class. Hmm. And Blue Labour constantly, because it's racist as hell, Mm. minorities are not part of the working class. No. And they will lose minority support. Yeah. And they will deserve to. In the same way that the Labour Party took for granted the votes of the Scottish and the people in the North East and people in Wales, if they start taking, taking the vote for granted from... Indians, Pakistanis. Do you know what I mean? They're gonna they'll lose we, it that we, way. But we, luckily, they're not gonna go that we way. Mention, hopefully, I mean the thing is, we mentioned like it won't be again. It won't be because of that the ideas were good. Yeah. If Blue Labour succeeds, it's because the ideas will have been allowed to filter out enough yeah. to build a coherent narrative. That's yeah. what, like, that's the whole thing I'm taking from this election. That yeah, like, okay. the most important thing is seems to be being able to get out and maintain a narrative on a particular channel that actually reaches people. Like, Labour offered border controls and, like, a day off for St George's Day. Yeah. What's what's not patriotic or nationalist about that? Yeah. But it didn't matter because yeah. that message didn't get through. The whole idea of Brew Labour, in, in many ways, is kind of cynical because it thinks that it will be allowed through more successfully than it what would. Corbyn did. It would, though. I think I think it would like in that way that um you know yeah. I think I saw, saw someone post on Twitter I can't remember who but they summed up um how Blair won and it's that thing of like yeah if you could because the reason why Blue Labour would do well would be it would capitulate entirely to everything that the Express and the Mail wanted hmm. and it's like um the, they the reason that Blair um capitulated to everything that the press wanted and then was able to sit on the top of the bus and pretend he drove it um. And that's literally yeah. that. That would be the only way that Blue Labour could win. 
the whole idea of, of Blue Labour is don't worry, we can get this economically left-wing stuff through if, if we're, we're allowed this culturally nationalist yeah, stuff disgusting. through. And it's, it's, it's not only morally wrong, it just won't work. What the people who control the yeah. particular information channels and control capital, capitalists, mm. what, they, what they don't like is the economically left-wing ideas. Yeah. They don't give a shit about the cultural ideas, oh, ultimately. No, no, no. no. Um, and like, I think in order to... like, Of course, there is generally a problem with the Labour Party's presence in localities. I don't like using like provincial and stuff because that cuts through the class structures within localities way too bluntly yeah there are middle class people in those yeah. in those areas there are lower middle class people retiree like the classic retirees ex minors yeah there was a fucking um article a few months ago that was like uh, ex minor thingy and it's like a picture of this man who is 89 yeah and has a car in his in his driveway is that is that the left behind yeah. or is that somebody who's taking that left behind identity yeah and using it to a certain political end. Yeah. You know, at some point we have to accept that these people are being used. And what's coming in the next, you know, five, ten years is something that, yeah, we are going to have to reach people in localities, but actually how they live, not how it's constructed as they live, which is what Blue Labour does, mm -hmm. you know. And, like, I do think a lot about, like, where, how people can be reached Aside, because that's the most that was the most demoralizing thing. I think. I think I realized that left wing ideas ultimately are not going to get a seat at the table with no. any of this with this current media environment. That was the thing, and it's like the impossibility of even you can't even get to the journalists and the the narrative framers who who basically won this election for the Tories. You have yeah. no you have no they're private entities. You have no control. You can't. You can't shame them anymore. They have no code of ethics that you can shame them for. They'll just say that they were following a, a discreet, a distinct ethical code, while they, you know, say that Boris Johnson deserves to win. Yeah. Like that kind of, that kind of thing is impossible. And I think, like, actually, there has to be ways of combining what is, quote unquote, Labour's problem with small towns, and working out a way of. Going around it, I don't think we're going to... I think we've been disabused of the notion that we can just barrel our way through it hmm. with enough numbers and enough enough enthusiasm. Not yeah. hope. Hope's always important, but enthusiasm. Yeah. Like, that That might not be enough that we're going to need ways of getting around it. And, like, what was it we talked about probably a couple of years ago now where we talked about um, Novara. Yeah. And had the idea that, you know, it would be actually quite good if they could link up, uh, like offer it like a franchise model. It yeah. sounds very neoliberal, I know, but offer some kind of franchising model where they can lend their name yeah. and maybe some funding. Yeah. Doesn't have to be them. I've got always had significant problems with yeah. Novara's people. No, but the notion of output, like, notion but the of notion a of a network. left, of a le of an alternative media. And yeah. people have been talking about it for fucking decades yeah. and it's never quite got off the ground and it doesn't have to be prescriptive like get someone you know in an area send them a laptop yeah you know it's not everything they need but at least start to help people who live there there are labor people in every area yeah 
every like it wasn't like Labour got no votes in a number of seats. They're yeah. still like a fairly significant presence, even in like small towns. Um, but I think just the fact that we've taken shelter for the for the idea that if we colonised the main bits of the media, if mm-hmm. we could get an Ash Sarkar or an Owen Jones, if we could have an article in the New Statesman, that'd be enough. Yeah, that that would be enough. Even if we could get like a, a regular talking head yeah. on Question Time or whatever, I think we've been roundly disabused yeah. of, of that notion. We cannot rely on that. And yeah, they'll accuse us of political propaganda and cultishness, but like, there's nothing. There's nowhere more. Anyway. There's nowhere more to go. We've we've already had that. Yeah. It's not going to get exhausted. Maybe that's another thing. I thought maybe they would, that would get exhausted. It hasn't got exhausted. No. People are very open to the idea that they are discrete individuals and that they don't practice groupthink and yeah. they all group and they all thought they were such individuals they voted themselves into Orban yeah. into Fidesz Tories they can't say anything worse about us because they already said that we were going to reopen Auschwitz yeah so they're, they're, <laughs> they said that, that they said that Israel was going to have to send planes over to save all the Jews so you know they're not gonna. They can't. They literally can't get worse. To paraphrase, there can be no. There can be no more after Simon Heffer on Auschwitz. Yeah, you know. Um, yeah, like I really want <laughs> the idea coming over here. Actually, if that kind of network could get up, we should ask the government for funding. <laughs> who cares? They won't say no. Yeah. Oh, well, they, they, they'll say no, but who fucking cares? Yeah. Like, have a go at them. Mm. Tell them that. They refuse to fund you. I don't know. There's nothing more we have to lose. That yeah. in in certainly in the information kind of arena, and like that, like I think it was a, quite apparent on Twitter as well. The 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 main blows were landed by what was left of local news. Yeah. So maybe if capitalism isn't providing a local news, if it's not economic, maybe you can just start to rebuild that with a left focus. Which is why we should be you know? funding the Ilford Inquiry. I think it was an understand. Yeah, it was an under. <laughs> yeah, it's a shame what happened to the Ilford Inquiry. To be fair, um, yeah, like the understated impact of like local Facebook groups and, yeah. and stuff like that, and the way people talk to each other on Facebook. Like we can't emulate that exactly, but like there has to be some kind of movement in that direction. Like mm. people live where they live, and 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 you know. There's not going. To, I don't know if there's going to be some kind of like December, not Decemberist. Um, there's going to be some like going to the people, like uh, in Russia in the 19th century. But like, if you actually want to be able to cut through the messages that said Jeremy Corbyn was a boogeyman and a man who was going to take all your children to his gingerbread house, yeah, that has to that has to bypass everything that we have known so far. Mm-hmm. So it has to be set up from scratch and. God knows we've got time to do it. Okay, for the for the long term, I mean, the next recession is brewing. Yeah. Uh, the last thing the ruling class wants is radical socialist policies in people's heads yeah. when it gets there. Um, and we can take maybe a modicum of comfort from the fact that Boris is going to present defeat as victory nearly constantly for the next five years. Yeah. And he's loathed. People generally just loathe everything. Mm-hmm. And... He's going to be a very easy target when it does finally break. He's very good at betraying allies and friends. So it won't be this triumphalist forever. So just see if you can weather that that stuff. And Labour in 1997 got half a million votes less than the Tories did in 1992. Yeah. No matter how this is presented, no matter how this 
is framed as a change in a complete hege- hegemonic change. It's not. Yeah. What we've got is a Tory government that's less moored to particular notions of probity and sobriety and all that, and one that will lurch from thing one thing to the other. Maybe that's enough. Maybe that keeps up its its weird non-linear warfare mm-hmm. like media strategy. Maybe it keeps it going. Um, maybe liberals come around. Maybe all those fucking idiots, those rubes who get rinsed every single fucking time, <laughs> they call for more, oh, there's not enough conservative voices in universities. Maybe they'll understand when the fucking rope's around their necks and they've just got sacked from the BBC because it's it's been abolished. Yeah. But whatever, we can't, concern ourselves with that anymore I don't think we can be as enmeshed with the day to day concerns of people who have no day to day concern for us have no decade or century concern for people like us we can't be bothered about their preferences or their 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 desires anymore we kind of have to separate entirely because like electorally I feel like the only long term thing that exists now is the absolute opposition of power this power this government to any shift in ownership egalitarianism Mm. rights anything like that majorities hegemony that's all in flux all the time the only thing you can count on is their opposition to your ideals and to your in the case of people of color disabled people travelers etc etc to you as a population yeah that's the only thing you can count on and challenging the government to challenging the government on things, presuming that they're going to keep civil society intact at all, will require the left putting itself in a position where society have to consider us. Mm-hmm. Those people, they cannot ignore us in the way that they have in the past. Where socialist ideas and representation are indispensable because they fear what would happen without it. That doesn't have to be violent reprisals. That has to be a certain section will be really mad with us and will withdraw funding or, you know, yeah. any any kind of any kind of pressure we can bring to bear. I haven't really thought it out. All yeah. I can think is we have to install ourselves. Yeah. Um, that can mean making the Labour movement useful in a, a practical way that it hasn't been for decades. But, yeah, also where they're terrified of being fatally undermined and that's strikes, that's protests, that's being present in in situations where they do not want any any opposition and we have to be there for that and i don't like i say at the beginning i don't regret the the manifesto and i think there's countries with there's many countries without a functioning left opposition and mm-hmm. we're in a better state than most just because we've lost this this particular election doesn't mean it ceases to be and the material concerns that brought all of us together, whether it's our own individual ones or our collective ones, our empathy for other people and other people's situation, that doesn't go away. Of course, everybody's hurt and they're taking time, and it's going to be difficult to think differently than we have so far, as wrapped up as we've got with the idea of Jeremy Corbyn being Prime Minister. But ultimately, what else are you going to do? Mm. We are going to take this time, and we're going to just have to come up with some different strategies and yeah stick to stick to what we got into this thing for in the first place it isn't like losses before no there's i don't think we there's yeah like you said we're not going away yeah i think that's one of the things that makes them most angry yeah is because in 92 they went away yeah um 
Aisha Hazarika's screaming rant <laughs> was fury. Uh, but it's my turn now. Yeah. And all we've got to do is remind them that no, it's not your turn. Yeah. You're never going to speak for us. We have each other. <laughs> we do though. We like yeah. that's the thing. Like there is enough people out there who agree with you. Yeah. That you don't have to feel like the only person in your town who doesn't think that travellers should be shot. Yeah. That we don't live in that. We don't... Like, even though we never really lived in that world, it, mm. like, it's one of the positive things about the internet. Yeah. It is easier to find the people who also agree with you that you shouldn't kill travellers. Yeah. It's nicer. And yeah, we're not going to go away. <laughs>